Welcome to The Daily Dose, where we are currently walking through an overview of the entire Bible. Join us today as we learn the story of Scripture and see God's redemptive plan through Christ from cover to cover. Let's listen to Matt Reister, Director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference. Today we're going to be in Daniel chapter 7, and we're going to move into apocalyptic writing. This is a different genre of scripture that you think of differently and you interpret differently than, for instance, narrative, which is what we've largely been in in Daniel, narrative being historical writing about things that actually happen in real time. And I found an article, by the way, I'm way out of my depth here, talking about apocalyptic writing in scripture. I'm not afraid to admit that. Uh, So we're all learning together. I'm going to share with you something I found at a website for a church called Morgan Hill Bible Church. I don't know a lot about that church. I looked at it enough to think that I think it's solid enough to at least take this little snippet from that would help us. Uh, They're in Morgan Hill, California. And then I've got some stuff in uh, my ESV study Bible as well that I'll share. This is some notes about the apocalyptic genre in general. The style or genre of Daniel is narrative. It's set in the royal court of Babylon. And chapters 7 through 12, which is what we're starting today, fit into the category of apocalyptic, which requires some different additional information. Apocalyptic visions turn up the volume on God's promise to see evil defeated and the just rewarded. Apocalyptic visions use intense symbolism or metaphor that require a divine mediator to explain the vision. Where the typical Old Testament prophets would begin a message, thus says the Lord, the apocalyptic prophet would often need to first ask an angel, what does this mean? And these visions describe world history, the rising and falling of nations, the revealing of how God is ultimately in control, working for and through his people, no matter which king or empire is currently on top. These visions reveal the heavenly significance attached to real life events, but these symbols are not code, as though every image must have a one-to-one correlation to something on earth. Apocalyptic visions often use images from earlier parts of scripture to make a point. For instance, Revelation relies heavily on Daniel 7 through 12 what we're entering now. And Daniel, in turn, relies on the prophet Jeremiah and especially on the images of chaos and order found in Genesis 1 and 2. They say this, think political cartoon. This is interesting. One modern day genre that comes close might be political cartoons. If leading up to the next election cycle, one were to draw a vivid image of a continent-sized elephant getting ready to do battle with an equally massive donkey in America, that's the Republicans and Democrats, many would instantly recognize this as an image about the two dominant political parties in America. If we then took this further and added images of divine and demonic forces aiding and strengthening either side, we would get an even closer understanding of ancient apocalyptic writing. So that's very helpful. And I want to look at Daniel 7, 1 through 8, and then I'm going to pull some notes out of this ESV study Bible. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, so actually we're backing up to the time in Daniel between chapters 4 and 5, I believe, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. This, many scholars believe, 
we're going to stop here and just talk about this a second, is referring to Nebuchadnezzar. He was a, a lion, had eagle's wings, and the wings were plucked. You remember Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. He actually crawled around on the ground and ate grass like an ox, and his mind was returned back to him. He was lifted back up on his two feet. So some scholars think this is referring to Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Verse 5, and behold, another beast, a second one like a bear, was raised up on one side. So it was uneven. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, arise and devour much flesh. This, many people think, is referring to the Medo-Persian Empire, uh, kind of an imbalanced Im empire. It was, it, it was raised up on one side, and the ribs in its mouth could possibly be nations or kingdoms that it had already conquered, and it was going to be commanded to go conquer more, namely Babylon. We know that the Medo-Persians uh, are going to or have taken out Babylon by the time this comes along. Verse 6, after this, I looked and behold another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back, and the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, a terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong beast. It had a great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. It had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by its roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. So that's Daniel 7, verses 1 through 8. Welcome to apocalyptic literature, and good luck fully understanding what this means. There are many theories. By the way, those third and fourth beasts, there are some who believe that the third beast is representing Alexander the Great and the conquering that he did throughout the ancient world. And the fourth beast, some would argue, represents the Roman Empire, which is unlike any of the other three beasts, much more powerful, lasted longer, had greater influence. So here's the thing. Many people, because it's totally uncertain exactly what this stuff means. Uh, I mean, some of these things that I've said, I think are pretty reliable. They make sense when you flesh them out over the course of history. But there are many different ways to interpret apocalyptic literature. There's many or at least a few different interpretations of, for instance, the book of Revelation, how the end times will play out, the chronology, what the events will be, etc. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that here in the next couple of days. The point is this, over all of it, God is sovereign over the affairs of nations and men. And that's one of the main points of this apocalyptic literature. Whether we can understand what this beast represents or what that metaphor represents is secondary to the main point that God is in charge. He's in control. He has con total sovereignty over this. His plan is not thwarted. You see all these crazy things happening in the world, whether it be in ancient days like described here or whether it be in present days right now. And we shouldn't tremble or fret as if God has been taken from his throne. God is sovereign over all this. We can take rest in that. And even further, we can be exceedingly grateful in the midst of what we see in the world around us or what has been seen in the world around these people back in Daniel, that God has a redemptive plan to draw people to himself through faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was 
crucified and who was raised again so that we could be forgiven and set free, grafted into God's family, and have a place in eternity with Him forever when we're done with this life. And that's very good news. The Daily Dose is a partnership between four ministries. First is Christian Crusaders, where you can find weekly 30-minute worship services at christiancrusaders.org, and where you can hear engaging interviews and other content on one of our three podcasts. Second is Fresh Wind Worship, whose weekly worship services are available on their YouTube channel, Fresh Wind Ministries, and linked to their Facebook page, Fresh Wind Worship. Third is the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, whose conference videos are available at cedarfallsbibleconference.com. And please consider joining us for our 100th annual conference on Saturday, July 31st through Saturday, August 7th in 2021. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online Christian mentor, please visit issuesiface.com, which is provided by Power to Change Digital Strategies, our fourth partnering ministry. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star review, and prayerfully consider financially supporting one of our partnering ministries. And check our episode notes for links and more details. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.